0: There's a message in there for someone today. I hope you caught that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words that have been sung that are in such harmony with your promises. Thank you, Lord, that you work all things together for the good of those who are trusting in you. Lord, I ask now that you would open our hearts and minds not just to hear your living and written word, but would you empower us, give us boldness to be doers of your word as well. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Church, grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. We'll be starting there in just a minute. We've uh, been in this series called Disciple, Dare to be a Disciple, a True Follower of Jesus. And, uh, last week I started a message, but we only got half of the message. It was all of what we needed to hear for that day, but it was only half of what, uh, this message is. And so, uh, for those of us who've had seven days between this week and last week, which I think is all of us, we've had a lot of life that we've lived. We may need a quick reminder of where we have been. And maybe there's been a few that have, uh, were gone last week or not able to be with us last week. And so by way of review, I'm going to go through real fast where we have been And we started with this verse in Matthew, chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We talked about how it's a very short sentence, but a powerful word from Jesus that is calling out to us and has great implications for us today. We looked at what does this deal with this phraseology of fishing, I mean, is... This just a happenstance? Was Jesus just looking for some kind of broad explanation and just thought fishing would be a good thing to, to throw out? No, I believe Jesus was very intentional with this phraseology of being a fisher of men. He was talking to professional fishermen. Remember that. And when he was talking to them, he said, "You know what? What you have identified yourself with, what has been your occupation, what has been your field of expertise, what you've been about, I'm going to call you to something different than that." When Jesus called them, he called them to follow him, and he changed their very life's purpose. That wasn't just for them, it's for us as well. And we can begin to see that when God calls us to follow Jesus, Jesus not only gives us a path to follow, but he gives us a promise that he will change us into something that we are not. He will give us a new purpose for our life. See, Jesus changed everything about their lives, which they had become comfortable experts in. They knew what fishing was. They may not have liked everything about their life as a fisherman, but they knew what to expect. They knew when there would be good times and there would be bad times. They they knew what would be predictable. They knew what they couldn't predict, and and they were very comfortable in that. They were experts in that. But Jesus called them out of that to something new. He said, I'm going to make you into something that you could not do on your own. It would blow your mind. In fact, it was perplexing to even hear a fisher of people, a fisher of men. What does that mean? We paused last week and said, Okay, this is what Jesus said, but why is this important to us? Our culture, I'm convinced, has a very skewed idea of what it means to be a Christian. A very, very loose and, and very flawed idea of what it means to even be a follower of Christ. And, and so to make sure that we're not just following some kind of cultural idea of what it means to be a Christian or a follower of Christ, we're going to dig in together to God's Word and say, what does it mean for us to dare to be a disciple, a true follower of Jesus? We caught here that when Jesus calls us to follow him, as I shared earlier, he gives us a path to follow him, but a promise to make us into something that we're not. And we're not always sure that we want to do that. We may say, okay, Jesus, I believe that you exist. I believe in you, and I'm willing to accept parts of you, but you making me into something new, I'm not so sure that I want that. I kind of want you to just punch my ticket to get out of hell. I kind of want you to just punch my ticket that, that I'm religious. I want you to let me fit into my family or whatever it may be, but I don't know that. I want you messing with all these other areas of my life. Though I understand that, though I get it, though it's a real battle, that is not at all what Jesus intends when he says, follow me. He, in fact, he says, leave everything. It will cost you everything, but it's worth everything. As we came to a close last week, we saw that, okay, that's what it means to follow Jesus. He calls us, gives us a new purpose, not only to a path to follow him, but a promise to make us into something different. But many people don't do that. Many people who call themselves a Christian never ever fish for people. Many people who call themselves a Christian have very little change in their purpose in life. Now, they may have corrected a few behaviors. They may have stopped saying a few words. They may dress a little bit different or smell a little bit different sometimes. Maybe. I don't know. But, but it appears that a broad section of people who call themselves Christian really don't have any change in their life purpose. They don't have any change in what they're comfortable with or what they should expect from their life. So what is it that keeps us from being fishers of men? The first one that we saw, remember what it was? It was this fractional following. It's this divided life. It's saying, okay, I will go partway but not all the way. You cannot follow Jesus. You cannot be a true disciple of Jesus with fractional following. I'll just follow in this area. I'll be a disciple of Jesus on Sunday but not on Tuesday. I'll be a disciple of Jesus with my family and with my friends but not when I'm alone. Or I'll be a disciple of Jesus as long as it doesn't get to this corner of my life. Fractional following doesn't work, and it it causes the whole thing to short circuit. And many people never ever become fishers of men. They never ever have this promise that Jesus makes them into something that they cannot be on their own because of this fractional following. Another category, maybe that we talked about last week, was this floundering in the familiar. Remember that? Why does so many people, so many Christians, never ever share the gospel? I don't know if this stat is still accurate, but it's, it's about 13 years old from when when the study was done It said about one percent Of people who call themselves christian ever led the led anyone else to jesus Now let's just Give a few percentage points for error. Let's just say that I'm sure everything's gotten better in the last 13 years not worse in the last 13 years and so I I, I don't know now be careful this next one. I'm just going to make up all right let's Be careful 100 percent of this statistic is made up all right, so we just got to be careful I, what do we think? Ten percent, five percent, twenty percent of Christians have, have ever led someone to Jesus that have ever shared their faith in a significant way, where where someone begins to to follow Jesus as an example. Well, what is this talking about? To be a fisher of men, to 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 bring people to Jesus. Surely that's not for everybody. That's just for them. But but why tie that to being a disciple of Jesus? That's what Jesus did. And I think this. Floundering in the familiar is is one that stops so many people. They say, that's just not me. I'm just so used to being in my bubble, my comfort zone, and and to get outside of that, that's for Keith to do. That's for the Musselman family to do. You know, that's for the Williams family. That's not me. I'm not like that. I'm not extroverted, or I'm not intellectual like them or i'm not put together like it's just it's not me and so this this addiction to comfort or what i know or what i can control we flounder and we're so saturated so many times it's not the person saying no it's saying not now god sounds cool i'm not going to tell you i won't share my faith i'm not going to tell you that i won't fish for people but just right now kind of busy raising kids it's a full-time job so, later. God, not now. I, I'm in the, the golden age of my career. I'm, I'm earning money for you, God, and I'm giving. So, I, not now. Or I'm retired. I, I did my time. I served. I put in my time. It's time for someone else. I'm creating space for someone else to lead. That's a bunch of hooey. I hate it when I hear people say, I'm just going to create space for someone else to lead. I think there's enough space for everybody to lead. I think there's enough space for... Is, is there only like five people left in the world who don't know Jesus? Is there only just like a little bit of ministry left that we've got to take turns? You know what? I'd love to bless you with the opportunity to minister today. So I'm going to stop ministering so you can minister. No, no. This is silliness that we tell our stuff. So floundering in the familiar can keep me from that. And finally, this is a huge category. The net just like encompasses so many other things, but um, it just, it is. Flat out fear. I'm just afraid of what it will cost me. I'm afraid of what people will say. I'm afraid of the unknown. I don't understand it, And I'm afraid of the things I don't understand. All these things can stop us from this. And we stopped right there and we were thoroughly depressed in God's word. And I said, it's time to go home. Wasn't that wonderful? But as I promised last week... God wants us to look in His Word not at a set of exceptions of what He did for one or two people or one period of time that He never ever does with anyone else or He never ever does ever again. No, no, no. It's a book of examples of what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do again. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Acts. And we're going to answer this question, what, what could it look like? For a true disciple, a follower of Jesus, to break free from some of these things. I'm going to speed up my talker, so I need you to speed up your listener, okay? Your knob is right here by your ear. Just turn it up. If I'm talking too fast, well, if you think that, that's wrong. You're listening too slow, okay? So we're, we're going to speed up together, giving you a heads up. Now, for those of you who have a personality like mine, you kind of have to have all your ducks in a row. We're going to go through this little section pretty quick, okay? Read the scripture, go through the section quick. Then we're going to rewind and come back, and just kind of like, you know, YouTube or a Vine video that's little short snippets, we're going to look at Peter's life and begin to see how in the world did he get to this end of what we're talking about. So that's what's coming, all right? We're going to go real fast with this part, we're going to rewind, and then we're going to understand it together. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 23 acts chapter 4 23 we find peter and john here in this passage they had just been preaching the gospel and pentecost had taken place and they're filled with the holy spirit and great things are happening and the religious leaders are very threatened because when they preach they preach with boldness it says they took note that they was, these were ordinary unschooled men i love that it's one of my favorite verses in scripture anybody feel ordinary undereducated you're in line for a disciple And so these guys are preaching with boldness. The religious leaders feel threatened. They don't like it. They throw them in prison. They say, stop talking about Jesus. They said, should we obey you or God? In essence, who are you to tell me this? I can't help but speak about the things I've seen and heard. And then they set them free. And here's what happens. Verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They got them up to speed. Told them the whole thing litany of things that were done to them when they their friends and themselves included heard this they raised their voices together in prayer to god how do you break free from fractional following how do you break free from this divided living they prayed they cried out to god and they prayed something very specific at the beginning of their prayer they prayed sovereign lord lord You want to break free from fractional living. You want to get into not only this path, but this promise that God has for you as you follow Jesus. You have to pray. When things get tough, you cry out to God, and you start by saying, Sovereign Lord. This isn't just like opening an address to sign on to a prayer. This is saying, You're God, I am not. You're in charge, I am not. Things look really bad here, but you know it. In essence, nothing, as you read on in those verses... Nothing that's happened here, God, is a surprise to you. Who are the kings to say they're in charge? Who are the the people to say that they're in charge? You are in charge. You've allowed these things to happen, and so they pray, and they pray, Sovereign Lord. There's a key, we're going to come back to that, of breaking free from fractional living. We need to start by saying, you're in charge, God, I'm not. In everything, not just part, but in everything. Let's move on to the next. How do we break free from fractional? floundering in the familiar what what could it look like here's how it looked like for Peter and John look at Acts chapter 4 verse 28 they continued praying they did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen that was their prayer in essence sovereign Lord you're in charge they could only get away with what you allow them to get away with look at verse 29 now we're getting to the point of their prayer request here now Lord consider their threats what were their threats Do it again, we'll beat you up. Do it again, we'll throw you in prison. Do it again, it's going to look bad for you guys. Lord, consider their threats, and what did they pray for? Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. You want to move from floundering in the familiar to break free from that. Friends, often we are asking for a retreat when what we need is an advance. You know what we do? As soon as times get tough, we say, oh God, consider the threat. Take me out of the storm. Liz, just think about it. And I'm not making light of your pain or your trouble. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, heaven help us, could we not see that sometimes these challenges are God's mercy in disguise. Well, why would He disguise them? He didn't. Our eyes are fixed on something else. If we could see what He would see, we would welcome that challenge, that thing, what it does in our life. But we begin to see that sometimes to break out of this floundering in the familiar, we have to pray, God, I want your will over my will. Consider their threats. God, they arrested us, put us in prison. Our name was in the paper. It was so embarrassing. Our credibility as disciples is threatened. They've they've got a mark on my my rap sheet now. I've got a rap sheet. I'm a disciple with a rap sheet, God. This is so bad. No one's going to listen to us. God, would you please tell them to stop it? That's not what they prayed. God, the very thing that got us in prison last night, would you give us boldness to do it again? Why? Because they were glutton for punishment? No. Because they were just such weird people? No. They had figured out, and following Jesus, He was sovereign. He was Lord. If you choose what He wants, it's always best. These are amazing disciples. We're going to look back in a minute and see just how amazing they are. Well, that's breaking free from floundering in the familiar. We can break free from fear. We begin to see that we have to replace our fear with boldness. How do we replace fear with boldness? They prayed, they asked for it, but how in the world can someone come to that conclusion? One, they had to focus in that God was still in control. They're not started with sovereign Lord, but when they understood that God is actually in control right now They can begin to ask for boldness to replace their fear And when they can begin to see that God is in control They also acknowledge that God is still at work in this world today It's one thing to say that God is in control, but sometimes we say yeah God's in control, but he's on vacation right now Or he's so distant he wouldn't mess with the lowly likes of you and me. He's busy doing something else, so God's not involved here. No, no. He's in control, and He is still active. He is still doing things every day. Friend, do you believe that God is at work, not just today, right now? Yeah, this is a good answer. It's, it's yes. He's, he's doing something right, right now. In this room, yes, but not just in this room, around the world. God is at work right now. And then they also began to see, not only is God in control, God is at work. They began to see and live out that God invited them and invites us to join Him in His work. And something changes when you begin to see that God is in control. And He is active right now. And He says, come get in the game. It doesn't mean that you're never, ever fearful about anything. But then you say, God... Okay, would you give me boldness? It comes because I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging who he is, what he's doing, and what he is going to do, and I place my faith in him. That's what happens. Now, I guess I should have given a, a disc, disclaimer at the beginning of this part. Don't do anything that I told you if you're not willing for these next two things to happen. It will mess you up. So, I, I apologize if you've already started doing this. Stop for a minute, see if you want to continue doing this, all right? If you pray for boldness, two things will happen if your heart is sincere. One, you will become more aware of opportunities. You say, Well, Brady out It's kind of like melodramatic. I don't know if that's the case. I prayed, I never see an opportunity, really. You pray, sincerely pray, say, God, would you give me boldness? An opportunity will come. Here's what often happens. Well, I didn't mean them, God. I mean, this neighbor, not that neighbor. We all know we like this neighbor, but that one, you know, I mean, he's already halfway to hell. Let's, let's get this one here. Well, God, I, I wanted you to help me with boldness with this family member, not that one. That's, that's on mom's side. I want it on dad's side, you know. Just, but, but he will give you an opportunity. They will come up. In fact, if you pray for boldness, be careful. Pretty soon you'll see those opportunities and you can't get them to go away. It's just here. It's here. It's here. It's here. It's all over the place. And the the next thing will happen. It will, I promise you, will happen. If you pray for boldness and your heart is right, here's what will take place. You will be forced to face a fear and then God will empower you to conquer it. Lots of people stop right here. Well, I see the opportunity and I'm still afraid. So God failed. Hey, hey, hey. His perfect love will cast out fear. He never, ever said that you will be comfortable with it. He never, ever said that it will fit in on your, you know, iPhone and you'll be able to chart and know exactly when it is. There's no, like, you know, God tracking on your phone to say, oh, that's where you're going, God. No, i, you know, I got to follow Him. And so here's what happens. He will say, there's an opportunity. You're scared to death of it. Step out of the boat. Go for it. And right when you need it, I'll show up. <sighs> that's scary. Yeah, part of adventure is scary, but it's good. Now, that's a classroom teaching. Your your notes are done, so any other note is extra credit, okay? So you can put your pen down or get extra credit. Now, with the balance of our time, here's what I feel like God wants us to do. That's the truth. That's what it could and should look like. But so many times, we get floundering in the familiar and we just go, well, that's, The Apostle Peter, the rock. Jesus built His church on the rock. I'm not Peter. I think what you're saying is true, Brady, but just maybe not for everybody. Hey, if you're a Christian, you're a carrier of the Great Commission. If you're not a Christian here today, you're welcome here. This is an awesome place to come check out God. You can come and check Him out. You are welcome here. We love you here, but we just can't shut up about speaking about the things that we've seen and heard. Our God is real. He is alive. He's doing things now, and He's inviting us in on doing it. And we just want you to get close enough to see it. You don't have to choose Him for me. Choose Him for yourself and what He's going to do. But friend, if you are a Christian, He will make you a carrier of the Great Commission. Let's go back now and like... You know what a vine video is? Anybody like the seven second videos? Okay, a little short. <laughs> uh, Carrie, is that still happening? Vine video or is that dead? Okay, very good. <laughs> I should have asked you guys. Very good. We're just going to look at some real quick snippets of real life things that they are going to help us. Now take your Bible. You need to have a Bible in front of you, okay? If you don't have a Bible in front of you and you see one in the row, grab it quick and claim it as your own and just make that person feel like they forgot theirs. No, don't do that. It wouldn't be good to steal a Bible. You can take your phone. You can, like, flip through it if you're good with the phone. If you don't have a Bible, talk to me after. I'll make sure you get one. Um, I want to encourage you to have one. You'll, you'll need it. Now, don't feel guilty if you don't have it. There's a thousand reasons why you may not have yours today. You left it in the car or whatever. But if you have it, I want you to actually see this in your Bible on your phone so you can begin to see. I'm not making this stuff up. It's right here in the Bible. Either we believe all of it or none of it. Matthew four, nineteen. Matthew 4, 19. We started there. I'm going to go the sentence ahead of that, verse 18. Here's what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. So we find Peter's here. They're casting their net into the lake, for they were fishermen. We just talked about how their profession was fishermen, remember? Okay, this is in God's Word. This is what God's Word tells us. Then, What happens? Jesus says, verse 19, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. We find this this account. Jesus is calling Peter to a path and then a promise. Follow me now. It's going to cost you everything, but it's worth everything. And I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. Something that you're not, that you could never do on your own. I will change your purpose of your life. That's what we've been talking about. Now let's, let's, let's flip a few pages to the right. Okay? Uh, now I want you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 14. In uh, Matthew 14, we find here that uh, Jesus is um, with the disciples, tells them to go ahead, goes ahead. They're in the boat, cross the lake. The storm begins to come up. When the storm comes up, they get scared. Verse 25. During the fourth watch, this is Matthew fourteen twenty-five. Matthew 14, 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. Remember fear? But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, this is, we're getting a little bit of uh, Peter's personality. Simon Peter's personality, okay? Here's what he says. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus didn't say, Come on the water. He just says, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm following you. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. If that's you, call me. I'll step out of the boat in the water. And Jesus says, Come. It's me. So he has the audacity. He gets out of the boat, steps on the water. He can't do that. Something's happening. It's not just a path. The promise is here. He's making him into something that he's not. He's walking in water. This is great. The waves begin to come up. The wind begins to come. You know what the scripture says. He, he starts to get afraid. He looks at the water. As soon as he takes his eyes off Jesus, he starts to sink. Jesus immediately takes him by the hand, lifts him up. It's in your Bible. Look at it. Lifts him up. And then, what does he say to him? Ye of little faith. He gets scolded. He's the only one out of the boat. Everybody else is terrified. And he gets hollered at. What is this? This is a little bit of discipleship university. This is, it's not complicated. People like me make it complicated. It doesn't need to be complicated. Follow me. I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. Follow me. I'm going to make you into something that you cannot be on your own. So he gets out. He learns lesson one. He may be doing some things that are impossible, but as soon as he gets his eyes off of Jesus, he's sunk. It's over. Lesson one for Peter. Let's move on. Well, let's, let's go uh, turn a page to the right. Now Matthew 16. Matthew 16, uh, we see here in verse 13, uh, Jesus is gathering the disciples together and he asks them, hey, I've been teaching around. Who do the people say that I am? What's the word on the street about me? Who do they say the Son of Man is? Matthew 16, verse 14. They reply, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus gets specific. He says, but, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter, again, first to raise his hand. Me, God, me, 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 Jesus, me, me. I know, I know. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, he says. Now look what Jesus replies. Verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. I'm going to build my church. You're the rock, Peter. I'm going to build my church on you. Lesson number two, Peter gets, about being a real disciple of Jesus. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus when you begin to follow him and doing things that's impossible for you to do. Second, you're going to know some things. You're going to grow in some wisdom. You're going to have some things. Don't start thinking you thought of it and you're all that smart. Don't start thinking, well, I knew I was that good of a learner. (laughs) I'm just quite a theologian. You know me, helping God out on his team. I'm a sharp thinker. He says, hey, you could not have learned that from man. It's from my father. He's also learning when I follow Jesus. I'm I'm going to hear some things directly from him. All right, this is good. Let's keep moving. I, I can tell you're going what what? I, I know there's there, there's short little videos, but we're going to time together. Turn now to the right to John, uh, chapter 18. John chapter 18. As you're turning to John 18, let me tell you what's been going on. Jesus is now coming down to his death on the cross. He predicts that Peter will deny him. He's like, no no, I won't deny you. I'm like the guy that steps out of the boat. I'm the guy that raises my hand to talk about you. Come on, Jesus. I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm one of the best. And he predicts that he's going to deny him. And then now Jesus is arrested. And so Peter, no doubt, with this prediction of his denial, is going to show what he's made of. Look at John 18 uh, and look at verse 10. Jesus is arrested. They take him. Then Simon Peter, John 18, 10 who had a sword, drew it, and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. So here's the picture. Here's a little video. Jesus is being arrested, and he, he chops off his ear. He says, Hey, I can take care of it. Jesus, says, No, you don't get it. Peter, don't you understand? You don't get it. Then we begin to see that Peter denies Jesus. Verse 15, verse 17, verse 25, 26, three times Peter denies Jesus. They say, hey, I can tell by your clothes, you're one of those people who follow Jesus. No, 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 not me. Not me, Jesus. See, he he missed it one after the other, after the other, after the other. Earlier on, I skipped this part, we find that also uh, Peter, he, he confessed who Christ was. He said, you're the Christ, and then after that, he said, you know what? You're the Christ, and Jesus says, well, let me tell you, I'm going to die, and I'm going to to be suffering at the hands of the religious leaders. And then uh, in in Matthew 16, you don't need to turn there, Matthew 16, uh, Jesus rebukes him. Because Peter takes Jesus aside and says, Jesus, let me set you straight. Jesus, you're not going to die. They're not going to beat you up. And and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because what you think is not of God, it's of man. Now, we fast forward to that other little video I just told you about. He denies Jesus three times. And now let me take you to one of the last little videos I want us to see in in Peter's life. Turn now to uh, John chapter 21. This is Peter. This is the one who's doing these amazing things in the book of Acts. Jesus has died. He's risen from the dead. The disciples are confused. Chapter 21 says they're out fishing again. I think it's interesting. Back to their old occupation. They know how to be fishermen. They're out fishing again. Trying to get their head on straight of what took place. And they see a figure on the shore. And then it says there in chapter 21 that John, or it says the one who was loved by Jesus, the beloved John, says it's Jesus. Then then look here. (laughs) <laughs> it's, verse, it's verse 7. Peter, again, here's his personality. If that's Jesus, I'm going. It says he put on his clothes, his shirt. I guess he like got comfortable, took his shirt off to go fishing. puts on his shirt, jumps out of the boat, starts wading through the water, gets to Jesus because he's learned that where Jesus is, that's the place to be. Peter has learned when Jesus calls, it's not just a path, it's a promise. He's going to make you into something you're not. When he gets you out of the boat following him, when you take your eyes off of him, everything fails. You begin to see that he asks you, who are you? You're the Christ. And he says, you didn't know that. I told you that. The Father told you that. It's not about how smart you are. Then he begins to say, well, Jesus, you're not going to die. You're you're not going to to be crucified. He says, hey, hey. That's man's thinking. That's not my thinking. Get behind me, Satan. And then, then, all of this stuff, he denies Jesus three times, comes down to this. After they have, on the shore, Peter runs to him. They have this great breakfast of all these fish. John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, Jesus said, Second time, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. Third time, verse 17, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter's learning lesson again. If you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, not only do you keep your eyes on him, not only will the Father tell you things, not only will he empower you, not only do you need to get on his page, not on on your own page, when he tells you something, obey. Do it. If you love me, do what I'm telling you. Now, you've listened so well. Let's come back to Acts. We'll land this plane together. Here's what we just went through at the beginning of this teaching time this morning. These are the disciples. Acts chapter 2 takes place. The Holy Spirit comes down on them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit's power and something changes. Peter begins to preach in Acts chapter 2 and thousands accept Christ. He's a follower. Now he's fishing for people. It's taking place. He's a fisher of men. What's happening? Then look at chapter 3. There's this crippled man at the temple gates. They're going to heal this man. Peter, going through discipleship university, he's learned what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus. He walks up to this guy who's asking for money. He's clearly crippled. And he says, silver or gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. Peter has learned. Could he have not gotten a few shekels somewhere? Could he have not gone back to the camp with the guys and figure out, scrounge up some money? He had no change at all. He had nothing, nothing to know. He says, hey, what I've learned is anything I can come up with doesn't compare to the best thing that I have. What I have is Jesus. Let me just give you Jesus. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy walks. He begins to, to preach this and teach this and live this. Now, we were really amazed with Peter. This is the disciple Who messed everything up? Peter encourages me so much. He's the only disciple that could put both feet in his mouth and wonder why he couldn't walk. He would say the wrong thing at the wrong time all the time. He just got marks from Jesus that you called me the son of God and no one else called me that and the father told you that and then he turned around and says, Now, Jesus, let me tell you something. You're not going to die. And Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. Wait a minute. I went from head of the class to the back of the class. What's going on here? And he's learning. Follow me. Come on my path. I'll give you a promise. I will make you into something that you are not. Church, as we close this morning, I'm going to ask Jacob to come. Here's the takeaway that I think God has for us. Some of us have viewed this great adventure that God has called us on of following Him. Just imagine with me that there's the Grand Canyon out here in this room beautiful. It's this massive, huge hole in the ground. How many have seen the Grand Canyon? Like Discovery Channel or in person? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. It's huge. It's massive. It's massive. It's beautiful. And you can see all the different colors in the Grand Canyon, red and orange and brown. It just comes to life. And in the wintertime, the snow will be on there and adds that dimension of light and dark. and, And you'll see some green, the farther you get down, some green will grow, and you see water there, and there's wildlife, all this beautiful stuff. And it's as if we we come to this great adventure that God called us to see, and and we just kind of park and say, Yeah, Jesus, you called me. This is good. I see what you're what you're doing, this is great. Right right on the edge of the Grand Canyon, you can see all this adventure. We're camped out, ready, we're here for the show, and and just imagine in my mind's eye, I picture this recreational vehicle, this rusty old bucket of bolts of a old Winnebago that should have been put to rest a long time ago, comes and parks right smack dab in front of your lawn chair when you're set up to look at the Green Canyon. Now, when you look to the left, you see Winnebago side mirror. When you look to the right, you see Winnebago tail lights. When you look straight ahead, you see nasty Winnebago with brown curtains hanging down from the window. This is no longer exciting This is no longer adventurous you, you don't really want to be looking at this And you go, well, the Grand Canyon's gone Doesn't exist It's not there, I knew it It's fake If you had traveled all that way to see the Grand Canyon And you set up your chair and you're looking at the Grand Canyon And someone parks an RV in front of you I'm sure you're frustrated, that wouldn't be fun, it's not great What do you what do? You do? But, but for so many of us we've sat down and the enemy will bring anything to park in front of you so you can't see it and for so many of us it's parked right smack dab in front of us is a father or a mother who was less than godly and it's a broken relationship and when Jesus says come follow me this great adventure you go I don't see it I see hypocrites that didn't exist move around it well that's a it's a real Winnebago. It's it's rusty. It's right there. It's, it's a big deal. I'm not saying it's a big not a big deal. I'm just saying behind it's a bigger deal. And, and so let's not lament this too long. Move. Some of us, cancer drives up, parks right in front of your view. An illness. Others, it's it's debilitating fear comes and parks right in front of you. And God's saying. Don't miss out on my venture just because the enemy has parked something between you and me of what needs to happen. Move. So we get good at this. We move and we begin to uh, allow the song that Liz sang to help us and we begin to see that God may bless us and we move down here and, and then you just set up and you set up camp right here, and then someone pitches their big tent right between you and the Grand Canyon. Huh? Oh, happen again. See? I knew it Grand Canyon doesn't exist there. That does. Pretty soon out of the corner of your eye, you see that there's some people who aren't just setting up their folding chairs on the edge of the Grand Canyon. They're going down in. And, and the real good stuff comes when you, you leave the sideline, you start going into the canyon, you begin to see that there's, it comes alive. And then you've got a view going up, and it's down, and you're in it, and it's all around. And this is what the adventure was all about. Now, if you've got a real sophisticated mind, I'm sorry, that simplicity may not help you, but for people like me, Jesus is saying to you right now, Come, follow me it's a path it's going to cost you everything it's got to be clear, it's going to cost you everything but it's worth everything and when you follow me on this path, I've got to promise I'm going to change you too often church, people like me have stood up here and said hey, just follow Jesus everything works out fine it's just you choose to follow him hey, he will change who you are if there's no change in who you are then something isn't quite right you don't have to pull out your sword like Peter and start doing it in your own flesh You don't have to help out God and tell him what he should be doing next You'll say, listen, get behind me Satan You're not thinking like God, you're thinking like man But, but you'll begin to see what, what's happening in Peter's life can happen in your life And you go, oh, I, I have peace In the midst of, of this cancer report It's like, like walking on water But as soon as you take your eyes off Jesus, you sink God will begin to speak to you and you go, God used me in that situation. As soon as you begin to think I knew I was pretty smart. God's so lucky to have me. Hey, you could not have learned that from man. That came from the Father. It's coming from me. It's simple. It says, I'm calling you to follow me. I'm going to make you a disciple of me and I'm going to help you make a disciple of someone else. Well, I'm done talking. Hopefully you're not done listening to the Lord. But as I, since last week, there may be a few who God was putting his thumb on some things of what is going on in your life. You may find yourself being a fractional follower, just divided life. There's some things you follow him in and other things that you don't. It's keeping you from the whole adventure that he has. He's saying, just get all in. Come all in with me. There's others. It's not that you're like sectioning things off. You just feel in a fog. You just feel in a bubble. You're floundering in the familiar. The thought of getting outside your comfort zone, it's not that you want to be disobedient, it's just you can't fathom it. He says, I'm going to make you into something you, you're not. There's others, it's just flat out fear. It's fear. How do we break free from fractional following? Lord, you are sovereign. I am not. You are the king. I am not somebody here today. That's the freedom for you It's not that you need to hear this message and understand it and take notes and log it in your spiritual journal and get points spiritually. No, no, no It's time for you to pray and say Jesus you are sovereign. I am not Not just admitting here that he exists but saying no, I'm gonna let you be lord over everything in my life That's gonna break free that chain of fractional following. There's others of that floundering and the familiar you're so desperately wanting a retreat, and God wants to send you in an advance. Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servant to speak with great boldness in the midst of this challenging time, this broken relationship, this financial crisis, in this midst of the doubt that you're facing right now. That's a war in and of itself. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I've got doubts in my own life. Right now, you say, God, would you give me boldness? Would you would you give me boldness? I want to ask for your will in this situation over my will. And then there's others. It's just fear. And you need boldness to replace fear. How do we do that? <laughs> you got to know that, that God is in control. You're not. God's in control. He's active right now. And he's, he's inviting you to join him in his work. And so when I pray, God, would you give me boldness to counteract the fear? It's not, well, when fear's gone, boldness comes. No. Boldness comes fear still there, it pushes the fear out when I activate the boldness by choosing to obey anyway. So if God's speaking to you, in just a minute I'm going to have Jacob sing for us. If God's speaking to you, I want you to join me at this altar. Come forward, we're going to pray here. If you're new around Grace Point, this isn't the only place to pray. It's just a good place to pray. Whenever Jesus would call someone, he would say, step out, come follow me. When I put feet to my faith, something happens that's a powerful thing, a good thing. If you can't kneel at the altar, that's okay. Just come sit on the front row. But, But I believe that God wants to break free in your life and give you a joy that you cannot imagine. If God's speaking to you as Jacob sings, I want to invite you, come and let's pray together.